Ran up in my city on the roof, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe The Providence College Friars Top for the crossovers The return of the the Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Province Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surrett, the Province Crier. Read our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Follow me on Twitter as well. That's at Province Crier. And join with me today is BOC. He is back. Um, today is Monday, November 30th. And BOC, good, good to have you back, man. Yeah, good uh, Good start to the season. We got the Maui coming up shortly, uh, so it's an exciting time to be a Friar fan. With all these like cancellations and postponements, I'm just taking uh, the season day by day, game by game. And uh, the way we looked at the start of the season, so far, so good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, the Friars, they opened up their season last Wednesday um, against Fairfield. They get the, you know, start out a little slow, I guess. Um, but end up routing Fairfield to the tune of 97-56 um, right out of the gates. I mean, I, I would say Nate Watson's probably the story of that game. We had talked about um, his ability to, to have a big game against Fairfield, who lacked a lot of size, and he certainly did uh, rise to the occasion in the opener. Yeah, he looked, uh, he looked dominant. Um, you know, we, we've always said with Watson, it's when – when he can put it all together on a consistent basis, he'll be one of the top, if not the top big men in the big East. Um, and so here's hoping like this game catapults him and start of the season to consistent efforts. Am I expecting him to put up 20 plus and 10 each game? Absolutely not. But if, if he can consistently put up, you know, somewhere around 15 and seven, 15 and eight a game uh, the rest of the season, I think that puts us in a great position. And, it also helps, and we'll talk about this, when we have some depth in the front court where if he gets in foul trouble for whatever reason, um, you know, we're kind of screwed. We we saw in the fir- first game, regardless if it's against Fairfield, I think no matter who we're playing against, it, it, it's become very clear we have a very deep and a very talented front court, and I think we should heavily lean on them as the season moves forward. Um, not even just Watson, but Croswell, Horschler, Gant. Gant um, we're just very deep there, even Monroe to a certain extent. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, I mean, um, Nate Watson only has two fouls in the opener, which is um, a welcoming sight for Friar fans, um, for sure. Um, I th- also thought he was very efficient with his pain touches. He was an eight of eleven, um, did solid line or job at the line as well. Uh, seven of nine. If you remember last year when he was coming back from injury, he couldn't hit a free throw to save his life. But then slowly, as the season progressed. He was getting uh, rising that number up. So um, he's definitely a capable free throw shooter for a big man. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, I certainly think he has uh, the ability to, to have a really big season. Um, and what really helps is that, that you can spell him with guys like Horchler, with guys like Crosswell uh, and Greg Gant, like you said. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, moving on to, to Duke, um, one thing I, I wrote about in the preview um, would be I wanted to see him, you know, take the reins as the lead offensive uh, contributor. I thought he pressed a little bit, um, but overall Duke had, had a really strong game, 18 points, um, you know, had four assists um, and added seven rebounds as well. What did you think of uh, Duke? Yeah, my um... – it's amazing. Like he had two quick fouls, which is a concern of mine for him. Cause some, we saw this with Dunn so many games where they're so good at defense that they gamble sometimes and they'll get those tic-tac fouls and it completely screws up their flow for the rest of the game. So we saw that with Duke in years past. Um, and unfortunately it was a little bit of a trend to start uh, with the first half against Fairfield, but he bounced right back as soon as he uh, got into a flow within the game. He's going to be like I, I've mentioned walking triple-double threat. He's so athletic. He's so great defensively. He's going to get his assists and rebounds, and he has enough talent around him where he can lead. And um, we don't have to just rely on him for scoring. He can, you know, he can do a little bit of everything. So I was really uh, pleased once Duke got into the game after those two quick fouls to see him get into a flow and uh, not force things because he does have a ton of talent around him. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I mean, one thing with him, I think, you know, what catapults him from 18-point game to, like, a 24, 25-point game is finishing some of his drives. Um, I mean, he was absolutely on fire from three. He, he went three of four, um, but but shot fi- uh, five of 14 on the night as a whole. So, and a lot of those, uh, if you remember, were, were, were missed drives. But um, as soon as he can get more consistent with that, I mean, he's just going to explode. Um like you said, he has all the athletic tools. He's got the jump shot for sure. Um, now it's just a matter of, of finishing those drives. Yeah, um, he, went, he went 75% from three. Like that, That's fantastic. And one quick thing I forgot to mention with Watson is what we're going to see, and I think it's going to happen a lot, and this is going to be the progression to the next step for his game, is he's going to get a couple quick buckets early in games, and then they're going to start doubling and potentially even tripling him in the post. Because sometimes like last year and years prior, he would be almost a little bit of a black hole where once he got the ball, no matter who was guarding him, how many hands were in there, he was going up with it. Um, so once he can recognize that, and he had a great pass, I believe it was to Horschler for an easy bucket for Horschler where the double came and he dished it off to Horschler for an easy bucket. If he can recognize that from the get-go, it's going to make him almost unstoppable on the court because I think that's his one weakness offensively. And if he has developed that part of his game, watch out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, one assist was that one that you alluded to, and he also had one uh, one turnover. But, um, you know, the team definitely took care of the ball, and I guess that would kind of lead to our next uh, guy to talk about, Jared Bynum making his debut for the Friars. Um, I read afterwards that he said he was a little bit uh, um, a little nervous in his Friar debut. Uh, he only has four points. He doesn't make a shot from the floor. Goes four or four from three throws. But he dishes out eight assists. He had, he had seven assists at half, I believe. And he doesn't yeah. turn over the ball, which, I mean, we talked about that's what we need out of a guy like Biden. And, and the points that he's going to get, although it doesn't come in this game, they, they have the, ba- the balance in the depth to make up for that. On top of that, um, you know, the, the points he scores is an added bonus because he's creating – uh, buckets for the Friars. So, 
What yeah, you think about Bynum? Uh, it's so funny. I was I was watching the game the first half at least, and I'm like, ah, ho hum. Like you know, he's not really doing much of anything. And then you see there's a minute left before halftime, and he has seven freaking assists. And you're like, wow, where did that come from? And that, that's kind of what you want in a point card. Like as flashy as Pipkins was, and how great he was on offense. Like you kind of want a steady, reliable hand at point card who is going to set the table for your team and isn't necessarily going to dominate the highlights. And I think that's what we're going to have with Bynum. Um, and that's a great that's a great thing to have if you can uh, if you can close a half with seven assists and you're not really being recognized um, I think it's a testament to your ability as a pass first point card Um, so I look forward to seeing a lot of games where he may have only five or six points but he has 10 or 11 assists and that's completely fine he has a lot of offensive talent around him on this team and we don't need him to be a Pipkins like last year to score 15 plus so hopefully he recognizes that that can be his role. And if he does acknowledge that, then um, he'll flourish. Yeah, for sure. Um, Let's pivot to what you had alluded to earlier. Um, The depth of the front court becoming very apparent. Um, No Horchler gave him 24 minutes, uh, scored 11 points, got nine rebounds. Uh, Ed Crosswell, I I know you were, gushing over him in the text group. Uh, biggest, he biggest, comes Ed, the, biggest Ed Croswell fan out of all the Friars. I'm calling it right now. I, I love mean, that dude. I it, love that dude. It is nice that, like, I was thinking watching him play, like, why in the world did this guy want to sit out a year? Like, what does he need to work on? Because he can just come in and just crash the glass super hard and score in the paint. I mean, that's all you need. Um, he, he only plays 14 minutes, yet he has 10.6 boards for them on the offensive glass. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I think um, he's going to become a fan favorite. I even tweeted about the uh, his, his uh, mutton chops that he's got going on. Yeah. Interesting uh, uh, choice of facial hair to go mutton chops, no beard, but then you wear your hair up. Kind of uh, interesting. <laughs> but yeah. The mutton chops are going to become a thing in Friartown. They are. They are. Yeah. I mean, I think it was one of those things where, you know, we'll never, we'll never know the real answer because everybody's getting a free year of eligibility, but I think Cooley probably said to Croswell and his family, like, Hey, you know, you may, it, the front court's a little bit loaded with Horschler, Watson, uh, Gant, et cetera, Jimmy Nichols, which you can talk about in a little bit. Why don't you, instead of using up a year of eligibility, why don't you sit this year, get familiarize yourself with the Providence uh, campus, the program, strength and conditioning programs, things like that. And then you have one one year because Nate will be graduating, Horschler will be gone, where you'll be the focal point as the five or the five man. Um, and then with his free year of eligibility, they probably said, uh, screw it, why don't we just why don't we just have uh, Croswell get some eligibility as well? And I think he's going to be uh, a huge asset. Um, and it wouldn't uh, it'll it, it'll be team contingent. Um, if we were playing like a bigger team with a traditionally two big men, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him start a couple games as well. Yeah. So Jimmy Nichols, as you said, ends up missing this one yet. I mean, they didn't even need him. Uh, when you have three bigs that you can rotate in and out, that can give you solid production, both in the point category and in the rebounding category. I mean, you're all set. Obviously would love to see Jimmy Nichols out there, uh, especially with his shot blocking ability. Uh, PC only had three blocks on the game uh, as a whole. A nice one by my boy, Chris Monroe, by the way. Yeah. Uh, a little chase down block from him. Well, but, dude, he uh, saved, dude, he saved the bucket, and I wrote about it in the article. It's like minutes are going to be tough to come by, especially in that, like, 3-4 position. 
Um, and if he's knocking down open shots, which he did, and if he's making those hustle defensive plays, that's how you earn minutes. Um, so I wouldn't count him out yet. He, he looked really good there. He looked like he lost a fair amount of weight. He reconfigured his body. Um, so yeah, it was a really good start for Monroe. And like that chase down block fired me up because that's all hustle. Like that doesn't take skill. That doesn't take athleticism. That's just all heart and hustle. And that's the kind of thing where Cooley loves that. And that's going to give him some more minutes. Yeah, I mean, I, when I wrote about the the piece on Monroe, um, obviously, you know, wanted to shut the guy out for putting in the work in the offseason and getting in great shape uh, and looking like a different player. Um, did I think, you know, for first game in, he'd have a career high in points? No. Uh, even though the, the bar wasn't that high, um, you know, he came in and gave them good minutes. So he could be a part of – the rotation is going to be super interesting, by the way. Yeah, what do you, that's, that's a good question. What do you, so obviously we're going to tighten, we're going to tighten the rotation a bit um, as, as we get towards Big East play and maybe have play a little bit more of a competitive team. No offense to the Fairfield program, but where do you see it tightening? Like, do you see like Breed? I don't think we'll get a ton of minutes. Right. Uh, that's good, what good, I was going to say. Goodine, good, good maybe. Um, I'm just looking at who played. Um, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I just think, yeah, Breed's minutes probably go, especially when you consider bringing Jimmy Nichols back to see what he can do. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, Breed's a project, but I think Breed will be really good. I actually like what I saw out of him. He's bigger, uh, dude. He's he's bigger. He's bigger than I thought he was going to be. He looked he looked very much like a college point guard. He um, yeah. he needs to spend a year or two in the weight room, as do all freshmen, though. So it's not a um, yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I was surprised with his build, and he looked like he belonged on the court. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have a great game, but I definitely see uh, him being a good player down the line here for the Friars. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, you didn't give me credit for, for uh, being right on Chris Monroe so far, but uh, you were right with Greg Gant getting the start uh, at the four, um, but he had kind of a rough one, hindered by foul trouble. He fouls out with, uh, with five points, added two rebounds and an assist. Um, but I will say – offensively he hit a nice little mid range and then he hit a three as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether they stick with this starting rotation or, or put in a guy like Horchler or, or a guy like Crosswell play Crosswell and Watson at the same time. The beef lineup is really yeah, the, the beef lineup. That's, that's where you put the uh, fullback and the tight end in on the goal line and then you just see what can happen. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. I think, I think the nice thing with this, the Maui Invitational coming up is we're playing three high caliber uh, opponents regardless of wins or losses so we're going to see the uh we're going to see some clarity with the lineup i think over the next couple of days yeah for sure so let's um so, so that was a game for the friars obviously they'll um pick up competition uh the, the competition will stiffen that is against indiana uh monday we're recording here on a sunday uh at 2 p.m espn 2 um but we'll get to that game in a moment but quickly before before we move to the Maui, let's uh, let's talk about the B, uh, the Big East as a whole uh, with the season opening up. Um, we actually have an article that's set to release on Monday with the pod as well, um, where we kind of preview some of the teams. So I just want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Villanova, you know, they were in the Empire Classic. Um, they got all they could handle from BC and Mackay Ash and Langford, uh, but they ended he looked up good. Close. He looked good, man. Yeah, he was great. Uh, yeah, I was, I was I was pumped. I was pumped up to see that. For sure. I mean, Makai. I was one of Makai's biggest supporters because 
him being a Worcester guy, me being from th- that area as well. Uh, I really wanted to succeed at PC. Fortunately, that doesn't happen. Um, but uh, seems like a good kid, and I'm definitely rooting for him. But yeah, so Nova, you know, they struggle against PC, but they, you know, in typical Nova fashion, close out the game well. Um, <clears throat> but then, you know, and then in the next game against Arizona State, probably a better team than BC. Um, they look really sharp uh, in pretty much wire to wire beat Arizona State. But then Jerry Wright gets a little cocky and schedules a last minute game against Virginia Tech and, and your boy would be Sabine. Uh, and that was a game where they look real like themselves for most of the game and then just coughed it up at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, everybody's going to talk about how the number three team lost to an unranked Virginia Tech. I, I'm not, I'm not spending a nanosecond thinking about that as a big East as watching all the big East teams. Nova tends to, as they're figuring out their lineups and their roles, sometimes they'll drop in early season out of conference game. Um, my biggest takeaway from Nova is how much um, JRE has developed. I watched a couple of games and his mid range shot is consistent and he's knocking that down contested open looks. He's knocking down threes as well. And then he can still have the back to the basket game. I, um, I was expecting him to be a, you know, a first team all beast type player, but he may, he may be in the running for player of the year. If he can keep this up, this inside out type game. Um, You always, you always, you see Nova's teams lose players to graduation to the draft and you're like, uh, how are they going to rebuild? And then you just have a guy who seemingly develops out of nowhere over the off season. I think JRE is that version this year. Yeah. um, You know, Jerry's been great um, for sure. And then, but the problem is he's got to compete with his own teammate in Connor Gillespie. And I think he's made a jump. Um, it seems like he's kind of elevated his game in ter- terms of more of a scoring guard, uh, as well as a guy that sets the stage for everyone and, and uh, stirs the drink for Villanova. Um, he looks like he's kind of elevated his game a little bit to be like, kind of like a, maybe he's this year's Peyton Pritchard. I, I don't know. The one thing, the one thing I would, um, on the downside with Nova and this, this, this same thing happened with um, the booth and the booth and Pascal years uh, senior, I believe it was their senior year is their starting lineups really strong, um, but they have no, they have no bench production. If you look at the three games, they really didn't have any production from the bench. Um, so, so while it's great to have a, a top tier starting five, you need the bench production. And I think that's going to be an issue for them, especially as they run into the big East, which is, tends to be a little bit more physical, uh, you know, you might get a few minor injuries here and there and then more foul trouble. I think that's something that I'd be uh, slightly concerned about if I was a Villanova fan. Yeah, for sure. And then one other point of concern about Nova would be their three point shooting for me um, in three games so far, they're shooting 34%, uh, 25 of 72. That, that's just not Villanova basketball. So um, that will be, you know, that'll be something to monitor for them down the stretch. But like you said, I, I wouldn't put the panic meter too much after one loss to a Virginia tech team that seems to do this. And another coach by Mike young, who at Wofford seems to do this every single year, uh, yep. beat a top team. So, um, so we're not panicking on Nova yet, but uh, interesting three games for them. But yeah. uh, I, I want to touch up on, we won't go through all of them. Uh, yeah. I do want to touch up on, on two more though. One, uh, Xavier Musketeers. I know you were uh, high on Xavier um, as an interesting team because they had a lot of young pieces. 
um, and to have a solid core as well returning. Yeah. Uh, Xander had a very interesting uh, start to their season. They absolutely beat the brakes off uh, Oakland in their opener. And the Xavier fans are all pumped. And then in their next two games, they have two squeakers against Bradley and Toledo. Yeah. Uh, the Bradley game I watched, they should have lost that game. Uh, they got very fortunate, very, very fortunate that they were able to um, win that one. I believe a Bradley guy missed a free throw at the end. Seems to be a theme early this year. But uh, what, what do you think of X? They're kind of a roller coaster. Yeah, I think I think they're going to be a team. And like a lot of similarities to the Friars, honestly, where the um... – they, they're probably going to struggle all year offensively. It's just almost, it's just a rock fight every time you're playing against Xavier. And that seems to be no different here. They have a lot of good young pieces there in Fremantle, the freshman Odom. Um, but I think the, but I think the ultimate X factor for them is going to be Tandy coming off the bench. He had in the first game, I think he had 20 plus in the third, in the, the most recent one, he had 24. Uh, he can light it up from deep. Um, so if he's not hitting from deep and he's, and if he's not that offensive spark plug coming off the bench, I think they're going to struggle to score points. Um, they're always going to be, they're always going to be a pain in the butt defensively. Uh, that's just Xavier hallmark there. Um, so we'll see how they develop because they do have a very young team and it's going to, going to take some time for them to gel. Um, but I think you're going to see a lot of ugly wins from Xavier, which is uh, kind of their trademark. So it's not really too much of a surprise. Yeah, for sure. And then the last team we'll get to here uh, with it being, you know, one of the bigger storylines of the Big East season was the return of UConn. Uh, You know, they don't disappoint in their opener. They win 102-75 over Central Connecticut. Uh, Book Knight had 20. Uh, RJ Cole added another 17. So, um, you know, I know you, you and I are in agreement that they have a pretty dynamic backcourt with those two. Yeah, their backcourt, their backcourt's uh, one of the top, in the big East um, book Knight and Cole are going to uh, be leading the charge. I think, I think they're at, at least for the time being in December and early January, while they wait on, uh, on a cook to come back um, from injury, uh, they're going to lean on their backcourt heavily. It's nice to see production from their uh, big man, Sonogo off the bench too. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see him push his way into the starting lineup by January or so, as he gets more familiar with the college landscape they're going to be a good team. Um, I'd like to see how they fare against teams at a little higher level because they didn't really play uh, either team they played. wasn't really all that high of a level. So we'll see what happens when they uh, play some higher level teams. Yeah. In, in their second game, they play Hartford and I actually I watched a bit of that one as well. Um, <laughs> Hartford gave them a real scare there. Uh, um, I believe they only won by like nine and Hartford like cut the lead to like two or something late in the game. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, a cook, a cook, it's very interesting. Where, where are those UConn fans that were tweeting out the, uh, a cook, a cook, like workout videos showing how healthy he looks, uh, cause he isn't playing. (laughs) The the UConn, the UConn social media is just them. It just seems like every single UConn basketball player has put on 30 pounds of muscle. That's what they keep hyping. They they just gush everyone up. And another guy, uh, Andre Jackson, we all heard about him, all the hype with him. A lot of surprise that he wasn't uh, picked as Big East freshman of the year preseason, but yeah. um, he doesn't have a good game either. So uh, it'll be interesting. That's who that's, uh, that's who that's who Fanta predicted as a Big East freshman of the year, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he didn't have a good one in his first game. I believe he only played like fourteen minutes, but still, um, th- that's the thing. I mean, I think 
a lot of people think that freshmen can just walk into the biggies and, and produce, you know, at a high level. And that's just not the case. Um, but Garcia, we'll Garcia, Garcia on Marquette kind of looks like a stud, huh? Yeah, he does. He does. He, he had a big game for them. Um, I did mention that DJ Cardinal on the other hand did not have a great one for Marquette, but, um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting season for sure. The bees is, um, I, I think Nova will be fine. Um, they'll, they'll be that team that can compete for a final four. And then the rest of the league is just going to be a dogfight. Uh, but, um, we'll see what happens. So let's, uh, from there, let's just take a quick break. Um, and we'll talk about the Maui when we return after a quick word from anchor. All right. We are back at the province crier podcast. Um, so we got Maui. It's, it's Maui Monday. The Maui Invitational is finally here. Granted, it is in Asheville, uh, North Carolina, but the Friars landed, I believe, on um, Saturday. Uh, they got down there, probably going to quarantine a bit before uh, suiting up for the game against Indiana. Uh, again, like I said earlier in the broadcast, 2 p.m., I believe, ESPN 2. Um, my guy, Bill Wallen, is going to be on the call with Jason Bonetta. So I, yeah. I, I like that. I think that's a good luck charm. Yes, what, what do you say? I, I think I think that means we're going to hear 80% about his life journey and 20% about basketball. But, yeah, he's entertaining nonetheless. Yeah, and, I mean, it doesn't feature a team from the Conference of Champions. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. That, that gives him less material to talk about. But, uh, but I'm excited. I, I love listening to Bill Walton, man. Um, I mean, I probably won't be able to enjoy it as much because I'll be nervous about the game. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the Friars got Indiana uh, in the opener. Um, Indiana, they played Tennessee Tech in their opener. Um, they had a big, thir- uh, like, 29-point lead at half. And then second half, they kind of just cruised. They end up winning uh, by a score of 89-59. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, a guy that we're going to have to – deal with on Monday he goes for 26 and 11 uh what do you think of Indiana in their opener and you know what they bring to the table not too many surprises honestly I think we knew uh Trey Jackson Davis is going to be the guy that we're going to have to focus on um in our game on Monday and no surprises there he is the focal point of their offense It'll be interesting to see what bodies we throw at him and how many bodies, whether we go small with a small in quotes uh, with like a Gant or a Horschler, or if we try and body him up with um, a Croswell or Watson, I think we're probably, uh, it'll probably be a more astute move to go with a Gant or Horschler where we can um, be okay with them getting into foul trouble rather than a Watson who might not be as quick a foot to guard him on the defensive end. Um, so I think we'll probably throw Gant, Horschler at, uh, at Jackson Davis and make it a team effort there. Um, on the offensive end for the Friars, it'll be interesting to see if he, if he guards Watson. Um, if so, you need Watson to take it to him every single time. Uh, put, him, put him in a position to get in some foul trouble to take him away on the offensive end. So I think the game is going to be decided, honestly, uh, in, in the front court. Um, and I like our chances if we can slow him down. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, uh, against Tennessee Tech, it's interesting. Indiana shoots 26% from three. They also go 10 of 22 from the line. Uh, th- that's pretty brutal. That's not going to win you games against better competition, that's for sure. Um, so it will be interesting because I think both teams are, 
are good perimeter oriented defenses. Um, you know, like IU struggles to shoot the three against uh, Tennessee Tech. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do against the Friars, who under Ed Cooley historically have uh, good perimeter defense. And I'm sure this year that won't change with Duke still there. Um, and, and even Bynum being a pretty good d- defender as well. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I know they haven't dropped a line for this game yet, but I would kind of think maybe the Friars would be favored just because, you know, you brought this up. You actually texted me this uh, on Wednesday that, you know, it was pretty much straight Jackson Davis and that was it. Uh, yeah. Get much help for, from other guys. Uh, Finnessy, the guard had 12 points. Um, Durham dropped in nine as well, but like. Also, I was, I was expecting shooting. to see. I was expecting to see uh, their their five star um, lander come in and uh, potentially start and uh, perform, and he he really didn't. He didn't uh, have that great of numbers. I don't even think he started. He oh, he didn't start. Only plays fourteen minutes. Yeah, that's really surprising. Um, actually, the the lowest ranked person in their recruiting class, this kid uh, Galloway, he actually was uh, put up. I think he put up something like fourteen points or something along those lines. And he wasn't a really highly regarded recruit. I think he was a top 150, top 200 recruit. But he was an afterthought when thinking about Lander and Jordan Geronimo and all those folks. Um, but he had a good first game. So, yeah, I think I think you know uh, if you can if you can trace Jackson Davis is going to get his. But if you can slow it down and make sure he doesn't dominate offensively and make him work defensively, I, I like our chances, especially with the. Uh, especially with our defensive aptitude in the backcourt with Duke and others. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, I use definitely a good team. I'm not going to say that they're not, and I don't want to put too much stock in the one game, but it is interesting to see that he really had to dominate. Uh, and then, you know, they did get some people to chip in as well, but uh, uh, you know, against, against the Friars, they're going to, they're going to have a shorter rotation too. So like, does Lander play a lot of minutes in this one? I, I, to me, if he only got 14 minutes in that game, was he going to get uh, against a better team in the Friars? Good so, um, yeah, I mean, if I were handicapping this game, I would probably think PC might be like a, a one or two point favorite. Um, we'll, we'll see what, when it opens up tomorrow, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be a really good game. Um, I, I'm really excited for it. I, like, I really just hope this team, you know, goes to Asheville, you know, w- with a purpose, you know. Yeah. Uh, they, they just can't go there and sleepwalk like they did last year in the Wooden Legacy. Like, that's all I want to see. Believe me. Well, well, dude, it, like, we talk about how we're sick of the Friars being, like, a perennial, like, anywhere from an 8 seed to an 11 seed in, like, first four in. These are the type of games you need to win to, you know, push yourself into getting that – potentially a five seed, six seed, seven seed, and becoming a lock for the NCAA tournament. This Indiana team's a bubble team just like we are, if not even, you know, not even thought of as highly as us. These are the type of games you need to win. Um, so I, to your point, yeah, I hope they show up. Uh, I think they will, but, uh, you know, I also thought that last year. <laughs> right. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I would hope they just learn, you know, the lesson from last year. Uh and and come out with, with a competitive effort in all three games. Um, but you're totally right. Like it's a game, you know. If you want to not be screwed in a, the second game of an NCAA tournament uh, to avoid making a Sweet 16, you know, you got to get a better seed. It's simple as that. 
Um, granted, you know, sometimes the seeding goes where you get screwed getting a better seed, but uh, for the most part, I mean, the better your seed, the better better chances you have of going further in the tournament. I mean, it's just yeah, simple. It's like, it's like a story that just keeps getting repeated year in, year out. It's like the Friar fans complain about their uh, either their opening round matchup or their second round matchup, like playing North Carolina in North Carolina. It's like, well, you won those four or five games at the start of the season when it mattered, we wouldn't be faced with this issue. So like the time is now and uh, we can start the Maui Invitational with a win here against Indiana and see if we play Davidson or Texas. Um, that, that's a, that's a very good start. It's a promising start to the season. Yeah, for sure. And then on top of that, so like it, what makes this game important, the first one getting the first one is, you know, in all likelihood you'll play Texas uh, in the second round. Who's, you know, they're already ranked. Uh, they had a big win against um, uh, Rio Grande, I believe, UT, UT Rio Grande. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's not a huge surprise, but they're loaded, man. Um, they bring back all the guys that we had to deal with the past two years. Uh, pretty Almost much. Greg Brown. Yep, the, Greg Brown, of course. How, you know, how can I forget about him? Um, by the way, Moses Brown was, <laughs> was a basketball player in UCLA. Uh, yeah. So I wasn't yeah. totally off, but uh, but yeah, Greg Brown. They have him, um, Matt Coleman, Courtney Ramey. Um, you know that team is loaded, uh, and and Andrew Jones. You didn't even play him the first game. So the importance of getting this one over Indiana is then then you set yourself up for a matchup against another ranked team, a team in which you've had great success with over the past two years. So that would be huge. Yeah, that's that's these are uh, these are the great things about playing in tournaments like this. Is you're going to play a team you. I mean, granted, we've played Texas a handful of times over the years, but they're uh, not in our division, obviously, and not in our conference. And they're going to be a consistent, in my opinion, a consistent top fifteen, top twenty team all year. Um, so it's a great litmus test for the Friars uh, to see how we stack up. Uh, you don't want to obviously get ahead of the Indiana game, but I, I would really like to see how we do um, against a Texas where you know, they have Greg Brown, right? But I think the strength of their team might be in the backcourt and you've kind of put the pressure on our backcourt as opposed to the Indiana game where the pressure's on our front court. So it's exciting. Um, I think I think you can tell with this podcast that we're really excited to see how the prior team does over the next couple of days. For sure. Um, I, I'm actually, tomorrow's my last, or Monday is my, today, I guess, uh, is my last day of vacation. Um, spent a lot of it watching hoops. So I'm jacked up for the game tomorrow. And then I, I believe if you win, you don't have to play in the afternoon during a work day uh, the next day. So uh, that, that adds another element of importance for the Friars. Um, there, 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 might be a, there might be some Friar fans hoping for a loss just so they can watch the, them during the work week. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, but, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, if, if they were to lose and, you know, if, if Texas, you know, they'll probably be favored over um, Davidson. If we were to play Davidson, I mean, that'd be a game where, you know, you probably definitely want to get uh, if you don't get the Indiana one. Um, before the show, we were talking about Davidson a little bit. Uh, they win in their opener against High Point. But uh, – Kellen Grady wasn't the story. Um, apparently, your new favorite basketball player was the story for Davidson. Yeah, uh, he, it's a guy from South Korea who he put up. I'm pulling up the stats right now. Uh, give me a second. He put up 
Uh, let's see. He put he went five of ten from three. Well, I'm pulling him up right now. He had an unreal stat line, and I hadn't heard of him before. Um, Hugh Jung Lee. So he went. He had 23 points, and he really efficient too. Eight of 14 from the field, five of ten from three. 23 points, five rebounds, nine assists, two blocks. So Hugh Jung Lee might be my new favorite player, non-prior player in uh, in NCAA. That's that's an unreal stat line. And if you can match him with Kellen Grady, who's a scoring machine, you have a nice little uh, tandem there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you if you if you, we do draw Davidson either in a win or a loss, um, you know, unlike the Indiana game, we'll we'll, we'll have to worry about their front court. Uh, for Davidson, you're definitely going to worry about their three point shooting. They can light it up. They always have under Bob McKillop. Um, so that would present an interesting test if the Friars were to face, um, to face uh, Davidson. But if you look on the other side of the bracket, um, Stanford, Stanford is an interesting team. Um, I think most people think UNC will find a way to uh, get to the title game, but um, Stanford, they have a, uh, an NBA prospect. I'm blanking on his name. Zaire Williams. Yes. Zaire Williams. Exactly. Uh, and supposedly he's really the real deal. So um, that bracket's interesting. UNLV, they're down. Um, yep. I don't expect them to make much noise. Um, but And that's who UNC will get first. But then the other game, the Stanford-Alabama game, that, that'll be a fun game to watch for sure. Um, you know, Alabama, they're under Nate Oates. Um, they've kind of started to get a lot of talent um, in their program. And, uh, I mean, I think that would be a very entertaining game. I think that game, the PC game, will definitely be the two uh, better of, of the four openers for the Maui. Yeah, I'm excited to see Quinterly uh, under Bama. And he's recruiting a lot of uh, transfer talent and a lot of talent from the high school ranks. So it's just a matter of time before uh, Bama's uh, top 25 team. I think Nate Oates is uh, one of the more underrated coaches in the nation. And, um he, ha- he has all the ability in the world to recruit a ton of talent, especially from the Southeast to Bama. So yeah, I- I'm high on, high on Stanford, high on Bama, and um, obviously high on North Carolina as well. They had a little bit of a close one. Uh, I believe it was against Charl- Charleston, I believe, but they ended oh, up yeah. pulling, they ended up pulling guys. away. The guys we lost to last year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have Grant uh, Riller anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um... He ends up getting picked in the NBA draft, I believe, one second round. Um, but, yeah, Stanford hasn't played yet. Um, their first game got canceled. Um, so it would be their opener. I believe they still have uh, DeSantos. Let me see. Pull up. De Silva. Pardon me. Oscar De Silva, uh, senior big man. He's really good as well. Um, so th- that's a team that will be interesting on that side of the bracket for sure. Um I mean, I think PC, if they were to win the two games, I think a lot of Friar Town would love to get that game against Indiana, um, special, or Indiana, UNC, uh, especially considering, you know, you may not agree with me, but I think this UNC team will be fine, but certainly, you know, coming off a really down year, I don't expect them to be, you know, top, top five team in the country. What about you? No, I think they'll be um... – I think they'll hover around being a like ranked in the uh, anywhere from like 10 to 20. Um, they have, obviously they have a lot of talent 
Um, but they need, they need, they have a lot of new pieces as well. So it's probably going to be a little bit of a learning process. So um, I think they're probably accurately ranked where they are right now. I think they're 16. Um, so I think that's a fair ranking for them. And I think they'll be around that ranking the majority of the year. Well, what do you think? How would PC match up against them? You know them more than I do. <laughs> um, so if they were to match up against them, it would be – it actually would be a really interesting game because we have two, I would say, very traditional big men, which is kind of an outlier in today's modern game, and obviously Watson and Croswell. And and UNC is known for that. Like their championship teams were always like to have two big men back to the basket and just dominate you on the glass. So it would be a really fun game to watch Watson and Croswell against uh, some of the UNC bigs. They have Garrison Brooks, who is um, – more of a four than a five. Uh, he can knock out. He can hit the mid-range uh, shot with ease. Um, but then they have a couple freshmen, five-star freshmen, which are back-to-the-basket bigs who can run, um, have a big motor. So that would be a really interesting game. I would love to see that, to see how our big men uh, compare to theirs. Yeah, for sure. So everybody get ready for the Maui. It starts on Monday. Um, BLC, do you got anything else before we end the show here? Or? So we didn't give our prediction for the Indiana game. What do you think oh, happens? That that would be uh, smart of us, right? It would, yeah. <laughs> All right, you go. So I think so. I think we uh, end up beating Indiana by, we'll say six points. Six points, nice. Um, yeah. I I think PC also gets the win. Um, I'm gonna go a little closer. I'm gonna say 67, 64. Four. Okay. It's the Friars. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna play with your heartstrings a little bit. It's not gonna be easy. <laughs> yeah, it never is. And then um, I think we I think we likely will see them play against Texas, right? And I think um, unfortunately, I think that's where our run ends in the Maui. I think we ended up end up if we beat Indiana, we end up losing to Texas. Yeah, um, that's totally fair because, like, you know. You look about you look at like for example teams that play in the same conference playing them the second time around is always tough um, and you're looking at Shaka Smart now who will get his third crack at trying to beat the Friars in the in the last three seasons um, and he definitely has uh, more talent this year than he probably had last year um, you know they keep producing NBA uh, NBA big men um, Jericho Sims is still there. He, he was a problem for us uh, last year, even. Um, but it, it'll be interesting. I, you know, I don't want to agree with you with both picks, but uh, that does kind of sound like, you know, I'll, I'll go with the, the, they'll go to the final and they'll lose to either UNC or, or Stanford. Okay, fair enough. Um, if the Friars do win it, though, it's actually interesting. Fun fact about the Friars, they're the first team to ever win the Maui. They won oh, really? the inaugural Maui. Yeah, believe it. I didn't know that. It's only their third trip to the Maui, but but they've won it. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, we'll have a ton of stuff, uh, content with the blog and all that um, this week. Um, you know, it's great. College hoops finally back. Um, you know, it's going to be weird, but the, they're going to push through. So um, get ready for that. And then one other thing um, I would bring up. I told you about this right before uh, we started recording, but um, you know, I'm doing a little writing for 
uh, fancy website for, and I'm doing daily college hoops and TCU's Kevin Samuel Friars will visit TCU uh, later in December for the big 12 big, uh, big East challenge. TCU big man, Kevin Samuel had 16 points and 18 boards. So Friars will have their handful against Jackson Davis. Um, they'll have their hands full against uh, Samuel when they make the trip to TCU. Um, but that's all I got. Um, we will see you next time. Peace out, Fire Town. Thanks, guys. School. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way about the hoop, eh. Cross over, I might go to LEU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, eh. Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, eh. Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Hope, eh. I'm the alpha dog, Diallo. They were sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage. And he see me bumping, so we gon' let him have it, yeah. They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic. This year we taking over March Madness. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, eh. Crossover, I might throw the alley-oop. But they sleeping on me while well, I take them back to school. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah.